I don't think I've set this opposite you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually not going to look at you because otherwise I'm oh, just going fine. to laugh. Oh. Otherwise I'm going to. Laugh. I wonder if we'll get over that, like as, as time. No, I, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. It's just I'm I'm excited and nervous, but it's fine. That's good. Ready when you are. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. On this show and every other show, we're going to be talking about sex. With a focus on how to do it safely, pleasurably, and playfully. So expect some laughter. Expect to get a little hot below the waist. <laughs> expect honest, real perspectives and some very sexy, intimate conversations. So let's get started. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jai. I guess people are going to wonder, like, who was laughing in the background? Like, just, <laughs> just, just some rude person. Um, uh, but thanks for doing this with me, or I'm doing this with you. Are we doing this together? We are doing this. This is a consensual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we like that. <laughs> that is the base level of better in bed. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just here to listen to your stories and hopefully share a couple of my own. Um, but I guess for me. Um, uh, what, what do we tell people? We're friends first. Yeah. We work together second. Yeah. And now this is the... And we're consensualist <laughs> podcasters third. <laughs> we have a safe word. We do. Um, but I guess, I guess for me, I was really excited about doing this because I think you and I have known each other for just over a year. Mm-hmm. And this has been such a big part of our late night conversations, or early morning conversations, I should say. And um, I... I I'm just as curious as probably everyone else is as to know why you're here and why you want to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm here because I am a sex educator. um, But really why I'm here is because I actually just love talking about sex. I mean, it's gotten to the point (laughs) where I'm actually not allowed in many restaurants anymore I think because (laughs) I've been with a group of girlfriends and you get to the point where you're in this little corner but you know we're so animated a lot of the times me and my girlfriends talking about sex and then first you kind of get the dirty looks from the other tables and then slowly what happens is the restaurant starts to clear around us so the tables start emptying out around us and I think the restaurant scene in Hong Kong, I, d- I don't think it can take us and our kind. Is this so a, I'm is really this... glad I get to do it in a studio <laughs> with you. <laughs> it's very generous to call my second bedroom a studio. So is, was this a planned conversation about sex in a restaurant or you just always end up talking about sex in restaurants? I think I've, because of my background, which I'm going to talk about in a little while, um, I think I've kind of become the de facto go-to person about sex and questions about sex and you know I'm always the girlfriend that if somebody is seeing someone new I never go oh are you in love you know where did he take you on your first date I'm always like how was the sex (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and are you the go-to because you've had a lot of sex or are you the go-to because you're happy to talk about sex? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question because actually talking about sex never really came naturally to me. Really? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's surprising. I know. So I grew up in a very sort of strict and religious, very Christian um, background uh, from the uh, sunny, sexually repressed shores of Singapore. <laughs> Imagine that. Um and uh, my first sort of conversations about sex, I can remember them very clearly. One was my dad uh, sitting me down um, in a dinner conversation one day and saying, Sarah, you know about the birds and the bees, right? So we don't need to talk about this anymore. How old were you here? Uh, I think I was about 15. That was the first time your family mentioned That sex? was the first time my family mentioned. And then the second episode that I also um, remember very clearly, actually this is seared into my memory um, and n- not in a good way, is that I think also around that age, about 14, 15, um, the school nurse uh, in Singapore came to our secondary school and she brought along this like library of photography of genitals and <laughs> literally um, every photo was of some kind of deformed really? genital from herpes or warts or uh, just some STD and the message was very clear and it was this is what happens to you when you have sex which I think brings me to, in a way, why I'm so happy to actually have this podcast and start this podcast and why in some ways I think it's quite meaningful because I never had good sort of sex education growing up. And I think this is very typical of a lot of um, Asians. Um, I had a very sort of what I describe as a fear-based reproduction-oriented education. Um, And none of it was about pleasure. None of it was remotely entertaining, um, except for porn. And uh, I think when I first started being interested in sex and and obviously doing sex... um, Is that how you say that? Is that the right... Yeah, doing sex. (laughs) Doing sex. Figuring this sex thing out. Doing the sex. You know, I remember going on Mm. Google and just searching, like how to have sexual pleasure, how to please a man. So I think in some ways this podcast is like what I feel I always wanted to have maybe like 15, 20 years ago when I was figuring it all out. Wow. So from that, you know, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned that sex for you was always taboo. And it sounds like it was quite a lot older until uh, out of high school, out of uni? like Oh, out of uni. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I think I was quite fortunate because I managed to get out of Singapore for uni. So, and I went to probably the most sexually liberal place in the entire world, um, and which definitely was? in the U.S., uh, which was uh, San Francisco, really? the Bay Area. And uh, when I when I was first there, it was just like you know I would have conversations late into the night with my roommates, and they'd be like you haven't 
experimented with the same sex? Like, what is wrong with you? Mm. And I was like, okay, give me time. <laughs> I'm just getting into it. Um, and, you know, there it sort of opened my eyes a lot to sort of the possibilities of sex. But even then, I, you know, I think I was still quite shy. Mm. Um, and I was still sort of getting over my sort of... Uh, decade and a half or two decades of, of sort of shame so I never really embraced it and I still kept it quite private so I was experimenting a lot on the side but I never really got to the point where I could really comfortably talk about what I was doing were you shy anyway like you I've ever since I've known you you haven't <laughs> been but um I think I was shy when I was growing up really yeah and I think clearly my personality has uh, somewhat evolved uh, since then um, but I think also my journey of sex has also helped me become more comfortable right. with myself right um, and uh, it all kind of changed uh, in my early 20s so after I got back to Singapore from university uh, I realized that I was actually, I felt like I was going back into a cage, honestly. Really? Um, because I'd moved from one of, again, the most liberal, um, sexually open places um, to one of the most sexually repressed mm. uh, places. And I think I had a bit of a major rebellion, uh, which I never quite completely recovered from. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, well, the uh, rebellion was successful then. The yeah. rebels were. <laughs> and I decided that I would not be a textbook Singaporean. And I actually started my own sex blog. Mm -hmm. And I started um, writing erotica. Um, and this was all actually inspired by um, real events because I had actually broken up with my boyfriend at that time uh, and we'd been together for a long time and so I was probably about 22 and then it was like the floodgates were open, you know? <laughs> I just gave up trying to be like the good girl in inverted commas. Um, it's quite a euphemism. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually took a very active role in researching and finding out more about sex. So as part of the blog and to sort of create content for that, um, I was obviously inspired by my own experiences. So I actually traveled around the world um, to learn firsthand from like a broad range of sex experts. So everyone from sexologists, bondage masters to burlesque dancers. And there was some stuff that I loved and some stuff that I was like, oh my God, wow. this is way too much for me. But I think through that, you know, process of trial and error, um, it's kind of, it got me to sort of, I would say the next phase where I actually decided in 2011 to start my own sex toy business because I had, I think maybe gained enough sort of firsthand experience where I thought, you know, maybe this is something where I can actually give back by, you know, educating, maybe informing, maybe inspiring people to have a better sex life. But and that's what I think I've always noticed about you is that the the ventures you've had, 
the the talks you've given and the the advice you've given to to many people it, it is almost purely altruistic like you yeah. you certainly uh, are forthcoming and I think you you do it wholeheartedly and I think that's what's made you definitely successful for what I've seen but um, talk more about the the business you started because that's really where it started to okay so in 2011 um, I founded a uh, passionately yours which um, was, I think, the first business of its kind in Hong Kong. Um, I think there's lots of, you know, there's lots more sex shops now. Um, but at the time when I started it, there was hardly anything except for in the sort of grotty alleys of Causeway Bay. And I actually just saw it as a real niche uh, for what I was doing. Um, when I started it, uh, I also decided very early on that the point and philosophy of me um, doing this business was not to sell sex toys purely. It was actually to really give people, you know, the resources, the inspiration, the motivation to live more passionate lives. So the way that I sold was really important as well. So I had an online shop, but I also sold to um, women specifically through a series of parties mm-hmm. and workshops. We've heard about your famous parties. <laughs> yes, yeah. I called them sort of hands-on, mouth-on, nose-on, tongue-on, you know, everything on Uh workshops where people really um, got involved. Um, I, I kept it classy. There was no nudity, no nothing explicit, but I thought it was really important to create sort of a, a very safe and intimate space for women to really ask questions and explore what could be possible for them. Because I, I think even through, you know, through your travels, through everything you've done, through your living a life in San Francisco, um, it sounds like 90, maybe 80% of it is trying. And I think certainly, you know, as we continue from story to story, yeah. oh, sorry, from episode <laughs> to episode, uh, like half of it is trying. And yeah. I, I think, you know, even, <clears throat> you know, is and is a male heterosexual <laughs> who, you know, you will be quickly painted as, oh, you know, boys will try anything. Like it's, it's, it's not that straightforward. They're, they're, mm-hmm. you know, for, for societal reasons, for, there is a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of nervousness tied to sex. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the way you've done this certainly sounds like you know, those safe spaces are what allow people to go to that next level. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, I've done countless parties as part of that business with Passionately Yours. And there was so much feedback where women were just saying, why don't you do this for men? Like, seriously, men need to know this information. And (laughs) I don't know, I wanted to throw the question back at you, you know, how did you start learning about sex and do you think boys talk about sex or do you think you know where where do people get their resources from a guy's point of view yeah well you know sorry like i literally that was my reaction that like as soon as you looked at me and i'm like oh we're we're doing the questions now i was like "Ah." um you know for, for me um i i don't think boys want to talk about sex I don't think they talk about it like most people think they will. Uh, and I know we'll go into this probably in a later episode, but I think for me, a lot of part, what was appealing about, you know, doing this podcast was the fact that 
it's not normally a guy and a girl talking openly, nervously, and for everyone who's <laughs> yeah. listening. Very sweatily yeah. as well. <laughs> We've just turned off the yeah. air con in here. <laughs> Sarah and I were a nervous wreck before doing this. And, you know, like, we're like, this, this is what we talk about all the time. But uh, no, I don't think they do. And for me, it was certainly a, you know, I grew up prior, you know, pre-Google. Um, and it was definitely the age of the internet, but it wasn't the sophisticated internet we know today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was sexually active at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was about, well, first sexual experiences were about 10 and 11, but uh, sexually active fully yeah. probably from about 13 or just okay. before. And it was through trial and error. I was incredibly, uh, I was very curious. I was intently curious. I was doggedly curious about the opposite sex. What made them think? What made them sexually aroused? What what drove them to do the things they wanted to? Um, and I think eventually there were a couple of guides in my life. And one of them was a very close girlfriend I had in high school who I haven't spoken or thought of until tonight, actually. Uh, and it wasn't that she was my partner. She was just someone I could confide in. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she was a couple of years older and, you know, she knew I was dating someone a couple of years older in high school, which was unusual for, you know, someone in year eight or year nine. And uh, it was, it was everything from how to kiss a girl to, how to be with them and, you know, how, how to approach those subjects. And I think she just really cared about mm. what that was. Yeah. Uh, and definitely being, a you know, a naive 14-year-old boy, that really yeah. helps. Yeah. Did you feel any sort of shame when you were starting out your sexual journey? Because I'm aware that you're Aussie and I'm Asian. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like sometimes in the West, um, the way people learn about sex is slightly different. Um, I don't think it was shame driven. I think it was, there was a lot of pressure from my parents to be careful. Mm. And I think that was, you know, in retrospect, you know, I think I pushed the boundaries even harder because I wanted to rebel and I was that useless teenager who wanted to do that. But in all honesty, no, I, I don't think I ever felt any amount of shame. It was, it was like going to a party almost. But I think for me, emotionally, I could tell it was a lot more. Um, even back then, I remember experiencing emotions at 15 and 16 that, you know, I don't think it was till I saw the movie Closer that I really understood like, oh my God, these, these are feelings other people have. Yeah. And so I think it was that. I think it was this foreign... So you felt a bit isolated. Yeah. yeah. Like, who, who else would understand this? Why do I feel angry? Why do I feel yeah. sad? Why do yeah. I feel embarrassed? Like, yeah. And I don't think they're things you really think about as a teenager until you're naked lying in front of your partner. Yeah. And I think you're very lucky that your parents actually um, emphasize safety mm. because um, I think for me, my experience was so different. And I did the typical thing that you do in these sort of sexually repressed cultures and, and with a lack of sort of sex education, um, proper sex education. I, uh, you know, my first sexual experiences were completely unprotected, actually. And um, you know, at the time I was still sort of kind of religious and I had this thing where I thought, you know, God's will will keep me from getting pregnant. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... Seriously. <laughs> this is me at like 16 or something. No way. That, that yeah. was a thought yeah. you had. Yeah. I mean, and the first sort of sexual experience that I had, it wasn't even really full, 
full sex you know you're just kind of fooling around uh i remember feeling so bad afterwards that i actually got down on my knees and i prayed that god would not punish me so it was just when i think back on it i think wow what was i thinking i can't even <laughs> i uh, i yeah wow and i yeah i guess yeah yeah um so which brings me here it's been kind of a journey for me as i um mentioned um well what, what do you want out of this what, what personally I, I i think you've been incredibly generous with what you want to give other people and for everyone at home this 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 is going to be everyone at home. I've always wanted to say that. Now I get to say it. Uh, this this is a bit of an opening. This is a bit of a teaser. We we probably will do a full episode tonight, but this is just a bit of a why are we doing this? Um, but what what do you want out of this? And okay, well, I think the main purpose for me, right, is to talk about sex, um, and that's really in a very simple altruistic way i want to talk about sex in a way that's fun in a way that's open in a way that's not judgmental not fearful but in a way that sort of celebrates sex for what it is you know an intimate connection between two people um i named this podcast better in bed because i would like people listening to this podcast to really just be informed and inspired to take some of the things that we're talking about and maybe just go out and try stuff, you know? Don't be afraid. Like, I think we've got a good sort of roster of different topics. Um, And I'm not here to say, like, I'm the expert that knows everything because I think the way that I've thought about this podcast is we're going to have lots of different guests come and share their experiences. So I think keeping it real, keeping it honest and keeping it authentic is very important for me. And ultimately, I believe that people who talk about sex actually have better sex. You know, definitely if you're in a couple, talking about sex just deepens that connection um, between both of you. But even if you're not in a couple, right? Even if you're a sexy single, if you're comfortable enough to talk about sex, I think it means that you have a level of confidence in what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, that's fine too. You know, ask people, you know, seek information. Talking about sex, asking about sex is a good way to clarify misconceptions, um, you know, debunk myths and get honest, accurate information. It would be, you know what I, well, it's recording. Yeah. And I can cut back in the fact that we just needed to pour ourselves enormous glasses of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't edit that out. For everyone listening, we're actually having a great time talking about this. Um, So... Back to the theme of this podcast. Why are you eyeing me? <laughs> you, you're shy of a sudden. I told you I, I don't like talking I'm about going sex. to ask you a very personal question, Jai. So the theme of this podcast is better in bed, mm. right? Do you consider yourself good in bed? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, I think I'm a big feedback guy. Okay. Even though I hate talking about it, like I... I I've had a, I, I've had a couple of conversations early on where I realized I definitely get off on 
having someone else get off. Yeah. That's my... And that's whether, so important. That, generosity. That's my... But that's my only goal as well sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, my mouth is getting really dry as I say <laughs> this. Um, and I think, I think that taught me a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think it was really around the fact that I, I genuinely cared for my partner, partner's enjoyment because that's what got me off. So on one hand, yeah. it's not altruistic at all. It's completely self-serving. Serving. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think early on that was always a, a big goal and that was always what motivated me. Yeah. Um, plus, well, you know, early on from the age of 13. Yeah. So years of practice. Years of Jai. practice. Let's not say how many years. <laughs> um, but, and it wasn't always, you know, because, you know, I'm not trying to say... I've loved every girl I've had sex with. I'm sure that mm-hmm. would be an enormous lie. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it, it was always the main goal. I think I can, as I said you know, before, I can remember kissing someone like hoping I'm a good kisser. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a normal 14, 13-year-old mm. boy thing mm. to think. Yeah. I, I, I'd have no idea. I don't really, really talk to 13 and 14-year-old boys. Um, well, maybe this podcast will be reaching let's, a let's hope it, 13 well, yeah, well, I guess it 14-year-old boy somewhere in the I, middle of the world. But we haven't even talked about that. Like, like, yeah. Like, maybe it should. Maybe like, it should. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe that's the lesson you need to learn. You know, I remember my cousins who were a lot older than me. I, I would never ask them about this, but yeah. maybe I kind of should have. Um, but yeah, no, that other guy, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. uh, I'm definitely a giver. And I think that's so important. I, I mean, I think to me, being good in bed is in some ways giving more than receiving. Um, I have two actually quite funny stories about, um, how and I don't, I really don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but this is actually quite funny. Um, so. <laughs> People have said that on more than one occasion, I have actually ruined sex for them, <laughs> which I'm like, thank you, I think. Um, and uh, the other sort of uh, little anecdote for some reason, I seem to be like on the top five list of most of my married friends um, who to have a threesome with. Like Sarah is in the top five actually I, i'm probably in the top one or two of some of my married friends i was about as to well. say having a top five for your, your married friends <laughs> I know. yeah like yeah how, how that, many people yeah. do they know who would want to have sitting a in bed like they're, with, they're, yeah i just remember like this detective wall and got like red thread drawing yeah. between all these people and, and you know what that's happened more than once so i've had a few married friends go you know if we had to have a threesome you'd be our first or second pick I'm like, first or second, I'm just like, tell you okay. I'm, again, I'm sort of like, thank you. But I did think. they word it like that? Did they say if we had to? Uh, I think it was more like if we hypothetically, were, yeah, if we were hypothetically I, considering. While we are tooting so. our own horns, comment I've received a couple of times with friends who got married were, and and actually this, there's a light side and a and a, and a serious side to this. Um, I had uh, one married friend of mine said, uh, sorry, a girl I dated before she got married said, mm-hmm. I'm nervous about marrying my husband because the sex will never be good as with you. And I'm like, mm. and it didn't necessarily th- make me think that, oh, I'm great at sex. It actually, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just us, just our chemistry. Yeah. Um, but it did make me change my, or maybe create a fear about marriage and sex. Yeah. And I know 
And I'm really excited to talk yeah, about it because no. I, I really want to get I into know. it. But... It seems like marriage is almost like <coughs> the death of good sex. Yeah. And that, that's definitely something I've thought about a lot. I yeah. think it was incredibly honest of those people to tell me that, a couple. Yeah. But also, same thing. I, I thought, oh, it's a shame to go in and two things. Like if, if your husband or your, your, your wife or your spouse or your partner is, is not even second best, is, is further down the chain... And I think there's a great line, and I'm going to get the movie wrong. It's either Friends or Sex and the City, and I'm not really acquainted with either. But somebody, there's a line, and people I know will kill me for not knowing this, but there's a line that says, you don't want to marry the guy who was your best. Really? Yeah. And it's a line that was in such, and and it is, it's in either one. and. I could look it up if I had a spare pair of hands. But... Okay, then I'm probably not going to get married at all then. <laughs> but, but that's why I'm excited to talk about this, right? Yeah. Because I, I think one of the topics that we, we caught on early was non-traditional relationships. Yeah. And I am, we're both inviting some friends of ours who know, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, who are in these relationships who have explored it. And yeah. I, I've got some serious questions to ask. And yeah. I, I'm amazed that as uh, I've known these people for five, six, seven years. Yeah. And through this, this is the only way I'll get to ask them the questions I want to know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I myself have, have been in a non-traditional relationship, so I can definitely um, share on that. But I'm really excited because I actually think that monogamy is one of those things that is just so prevalent and people just assume it's a default way of running your relationship. And I'd like to really talk about the different models out there because I actually don't think it's the only way, but people don't really talk about and they don't negotiate alternative ways because either it's too hard, um, they'd rather just do it on the side, you know, secretly and just cheat. And But that's a totally different relationship, yeah. right? Like, and I don't know if that's the most honest and authentic way to live, yeah, right? Certainly not an honest way to live. I mean, and another topic I think on that, is sex after kids, right? Because yeah, I'm excited about. I that mean, too. you and I well, don't. You know, <laughs> that was the wrong phrase to use. <laughs> you and I don't really have kids, but this is again. Don't really have kids, you know. We we kind that we know of. We that we know of. Have, yeah. Well, no, the kids that we. Well, well, this co- this podcast is kind of our baby, right? It, it, it is, is. It is. Um, and this is consensual, just for those at home. Absolutely, but I mean, I've it, also heard from so many of my married friends that after kids sex just takes a real nosedive you know and you really have to make a big effort to sort of ramp it up again and so i'd love to actually hear again personal stories about people who have done it yeah and what worked for them and and i think i'm you know you know selfishly that's what i'm excited about too is you know those questions plague me i think i think a lot of this again selfishly is about me learning to talk about sex so i really don't talk about it well as we'll learn and i think that's more common than people think if not the majority um but you know what do you think that makes somebody good in bed um okay well i think of course it's a mix of technique right (laughs) straight technique (laughs) but also attitude okay to to me like generosity, like what you said, is really important. I think a certain amount of curiosity, this idea that, hey, let's go try out stuff. Like, let's not be scared. Let's be uninhibited. I think that's very sexy. Um, what else? I think that um, in terms of technique, you know, I think being <laughs> able to 
be comfortable with yourself um, yeah. be comfortable with your body knowing your own body knowing what pleases you in some ways mm-hmm. makes it makes you better in bed ironically and you know one of i think our early topics that we're going to be talking about is masturbation and mm-hmm. i am evangelical about <laughs> masturbation <laughs> you, you're a priest oh sorry a priestess or is i am a masturbation well, priestess yes um <laughs> because i think the way to being better in bed is being confident in knowing what pleases you so and i think I, and again i know we haven't talked about everything there was just something else i thought of um which again we can talk we can try and talk about we haven't looked at um almost physical fitness and mm-hmm. sex yes and maybe we should like maybe it's a mini episode because you and i you know despite oh, our parties yes actually i could ask you about a party uh despite our <laughs> there par- will be one topic about yeah, that yeah, there will be, uh but also another party but uh we, but you and I care a lot about health, care a lot about fitness. We try and spend as much time in the gym. I spend far too much time in the bar and try and pay, make for, up for it yeah. in the gym. But I think that would actually be a really good thing because yes. I think even for me, when my gym drops off, it does affect my sex life yeah. dramatically. Yeah. And whether or not we tie that up into the stress and anxiety in sex, um, which affects guys dramatically and they're never willing to talk about it and we'll yeah. talk about testosterone levels I, I think that'll be a good one as well. but actually you just gave me an idea for yet another topic um <laughs> but sexual fitness right yeah and in particular yeah. um what's really important to talk about sexual fitness isn't just of course like keeping yourself just physically fit but there are certain muscles that you can exercise really? pelvic floor muscles for example works for both men and women i'm Honestly. going yeah, I think we should get somebody to talk in detail about that because that also makes you last longer in bed, have stronger orgasms. I'm also evangelical about that. Excellent. Maybe that's, <laughs> there's a title, there's a business card here. Well, actually, you know, I did speak to, I spoke to my personal trainer mm-hmm. uh, about whether he would talk about it or not. And uh, I, I think he's willing to. He's an incredibly fit guy who will see what he's wanting to do. I think what's really important to talk about as well and what I'm really excited is about is um, there are some sort of myths, you know, that I want to clear up. Um, And one topic that I really feel (laughs) quite personally about is uh, female ejaculation, Mm -hmm. squirting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. I am a squirter. I love squirting. But... (laughs) I'm telling you something. I know. We've even talked about this before. <laughs> I know. Um, but, you know, some of the reactions that I get when I do it yeah. varies, really varies. And there is so much misinformation and misconceptions around what is actually squirting that yeah. I'm just waiting for that week where we can talk about it and clear that all up. And I think I'm excited to talk about the fact that, yes, some people are and aren't. But I think the interesting space of those who never have been who do um because i think that you know even you know on 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 the female side is is confronting can be embarrassing but can be an amazing uh i at least had place to explore that is that's not the right term but can be like like an incredible part of sex and i think you know certainly through through my own experience i think it it has certainly opened up a lot of doors all these things sound euphemisms 
Yeah. I can't get my head out of the sheepiness. <laughs> I just said Go head out. Go in yeah. and out of the door, <laughs> Jai. <laughs> just pull my head out of the door. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited about that too. I, I think that'll... I, I, I'm going to stop because I'll keep making euphemisms, but yeah. Okay, well, um, what about you, Jai? What's the most exciting topic for you that you feel that you can contribute from a personal standpoint on? Um, for me, I, I think it's probably around cunnilingus, which I still can't mm-hmm. say properly. Yeah. I've got a mouthful of champagne, which is cunning linguist. Cunning linguist. Cun- well, that's what we're calling it, yeah, right? Cunning linguist. How to be a cunning linguist. Um, and I think even through my own experience, I also think through one particular book, which we're not receiving any money for, so maybe I should hit up that author beforehand. Yeah. Um, which uh, spells a lot of it out. And also, I think, again, as, as I kind of mentioned before, being someone who, who, who truly is, is pleased and pleasing someone else, uh, it, it formed the basis, if not everything, about my sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. And I am still, it's still the, the greatest part and the part, I think, that is polarizes some women like who think they hate it, and maybe they do, or yeah. hate it for a while until... Yeah. They trust someone enough or not to speak on technique, but yeah. hate it until that someone knows what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to getting the guy's perspective on <laughs> cunning linguistics. Um, and I you- think that's something we should grab some questions in before. Definitely. Like I think a let's write, let's write, let's run a blind poll. Yeah. And like quick, you like it, you don't. Yeah. Best technique. Sure. I mean, I think before every podcast, for all of you listening, what we will probably do is tell everyone on our social media what the topic is going to be, maybe a few days beforehand. And we want questions from you, listeners. So we're going to crowdsource the most popular, the most interesting, maybe sometimes the most rude questions. And we're going to answer them on the show. Yeah. I think one topic that's actually sparked a lot of interest um, already is this topic on bad sex and how to avoid it and everyone I've told about this topic is like I want to come on that show I have a story so I don't think that we're going to be short of guests on that one I, I have a feeling bad sex well, well two things I think I think some people end up in bad sex uh, relationships so uh, their sex life is bad and I don't mean they're not having sex I mean their sex life is dull boring and mm-hmm. uh, I've got a few anecdotes from people around mm-hmm. you know hormonal imbalances right yeah. through to just never having an open conversation yeah. and I've got a, definitely a bunch of personal stories around how longer-term relationships have affected me mm-hmm. um, how anxiety and depression have affected me and, yeah. and and a few of my male friends but I think I think also on on the lighter side of it, I just can't wait to just like, let's just get a bunch of funny stories as well. Let's just get the horror (laughs) stories. I mean, that could even be two episodes because everyone has a horror story. I was talking about one of my, this is only last night actually, I was talking about one of my first sexual experiences Mm -hmm. as a teenager involving braces. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, And involving uh, foreskin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how how challenging that was as a as a fourteen year old, but I will I will go into yeah. that. Well, for all of you listening, I hope that you're as excited as we are because we've got a whole bunch of really fun, interesting topics, and we hope that you will be tuning in, Jai and Sarah talking about sex. 
um, Better in Bed podcast. Because we all want to be better in bed. Absolutely. I do. (laughs) 